G'day humans, what's a good boy? Chris Funty here for another edition of Wrestling Old Style with Mr. Alex Freddie Williams. Alex, how you are, mate? But I am fantastic. I am in wonderful spirits. We're going to talk about a very important uh, wrestling show in my Australian wrestling discovery journey. Yes, indeed. It is the PWA Black Label All Eyes on Troys from the 14th for the 6th, 2019. Yeah, this was one of the picks I chose this month. I felt it was a really standout show, and I just wanted to choose another Aussie show again. Yeah, yeah, you've been bringing some pretty strong Aussie picks. Me, on the other hand, not so much. (laughs) Colonel Mike Sanders. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is a... This is... To my heart for this show being the first PWA show I ever saw. Yeah, it's uh, good to talk about this great show. So, yeah, absolutely. So, this was, I remember this was the first time I gave the new OVO player try for the PWA streaming service. Yeah, did you watch this one live or on demand? I watched this one live. I remember I caught the second half of the show and the main event live. So I think we might have even been chatting live about this at the time, if I think back now, because I watched this live as well. Listeners who uh, listen to episode one will be well aware of our uh, enjoyment of this particular event. I, I bring this show up almost every time we talk about PWA, to be honest, just because... Yeah, this was my jumping on point. And since then, I've gone back and watched other shows. Um, but yeah, this is definitely uh, this is definitely a very special show for me. I reckon when I watched this live, I must have done the same thing as you and caught the second half of it live. What matches I don't remember seeing. I remember because it was a Friday night, I remember being caught off guard by that thinking it was either a Saturday or a Sunday night thing. Yeah, and I think you just told me to watch it, so I just signed up and watched it. (laughs) The arena itself, this is one of the first events under OVO in Max Watts in Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. It's the main venue they run nowadays for their black label. Pretty good venue. What do you think about it, Alex? Yeah, it looks awesome. The tiers, like the different levels, like really adds to it. Like it's almost like a more blacked out version of the Hammerstein Ballroom. Yeah, that's probably a pretty good comparison there. Or it's sort of like yeah, if you've watched NXT UK, it's sort of like um a lot of those historic venues there in where it's got all floor seating and then a balcony tier around the edge. Yeah, I just remember. I think Matty Wahlberg once posted a photo of uh, the upper balcony there was hanging down a sign that says Wahlberg wins or we riot, and it looked exactly like Nightstand 06, just the way it was hanging there, like the position of the balcony and everything. Anything really much else to add about the fans or the um, arena before I sort of start running down for matches well um i think we should get out of the way our utter disdain for ovo play because like i know you the rant is coming right yeah yeah exactly and this one like hit me more than any other one like okay i can somewhat pass it if i'm watching a show live and i get an ad before i start the stream but if I'm paying money, like how I don't even remember, like what is it, ten bucks or something, seven bucks a month to watch this, to be able to watch PWA on demand, and I'm getting ads like every twenty five, thirty minutes on something I'm paying money to, to watch on demand, like f off, like that's <laughs> like why, why is this happening, like? Like, you don't even get stuff like that from the WWE, and you know that the WWE would do it if they thought they could do it. Or even New Japan, who cover their ring mat in uh, sponsorship logos. 
Like yeah, su- yeah. some of the, I've said it before and I'll say it again, some of the timing of these OVO breaks, it's like, oh, he's here with a finishing move. One, two, sign up for OVO. You get so much data off your internet service. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, and then like sometimes it doesn't perfectly go back to where you were. Like there was one instance, I can't remember the exact spot, but like something happened, I got an ad, and then the ad finished, and then all of a sudden, like I'm 20 seconds ahead of where I was. It kept playing while the ad was on and you can't <laughs> yeah, close the ad. Yeah, exactly. It was just like, well, that's just annoying. But, like, I didn't want to skip back just in case that that was exactly where they wanted an ad to be. So if I skip back, I'll get another ad, something stupid. So, yeah. 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 So OVO is just dumb. Thanks for bringing us live wrestling, but, yeah, on demand, yeah. (laughs) Give us bloody three or four ads at the very start. Give us the option to watch for five seconds and then skip. But, like, give us all the ads at the start or, like, where PWA has put in their intermission. Just chuck in a ton of ads there for all I care. Don't just splice them into the middle of matches at, like, extremely random points. And it's sort of like this happens subconsciously when anyone watches wrestling on TV. Like, you have to sort of reset your mood when you go from being in a match to commercial break and then get back into the match. Like, there's a little adjustment period. That's why they don't do, like, crazy, crazy spots straight after a commercial break. So, like, I sort of lose my investment when in the middle of a, like, finishing sequence, again get like 30 seconds worth of and then I come back sequence and I'm like, oh yeah, I lost came down a little bit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It would be better if they even just timed it for after each match before the next match starts. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But like, who knows like how they even put it in. Like they probably have some just like random generator that drops it in and just because it's easier than getting people to go through every video they have on their service and hand placing ads in. But yeah, it's just slightly frustrating. Usually you're the one more passionate about this, but yeah, this one really irked me today. Well, for this particular show, and I do, though, I do love OVO for giving us, like, live streaming. Like, the ads aren't really much of an issue for the live streaming, so that's cool. Yeah, they're basically non-existent for the live stream. No, you get, like, you get, like, two ads in a row when you start the live stream, but then that's it. Oh, wow. That is a lot better. Yeah, right? Like, how was it better for the live stream than on demand? I don't know. Yeah, but that's pretty much the only real negatives I have to say. Yeah, I'd have to agree. So if you'd like, we can go from OVO onto PWA. Yeah, like I said, I just wanted to get that out of the way. And now let's talk about some good old professional wrestling. So commentary for the night is Andrew Rose and Chris Gale, of course, the Triple M wrestling guys. The ring announcer is the time detective, JT. I thought you were going to bring that up. I knew you would. So match number one is Michael Spencer versus Robbie Eagles. Spencer is dressed in his Dragon Ball Z-inspired gear. At this point, Robbie Eagles is still in Bullet Club. This is just after Best of the Super Juniors and before Southern Showdown at Festival Hall. Despite being in Bullet Club, Robbie is still a fan favourite in Australia. Both men are junior heavyweight-style wrestlers, both fast-paced, high-flying and technical abilities. During the match, Robbie gets the Ron Miller special, but Spencer gets to the rope. Robbie begins to target the legs 
and gets a turbo backpack for the two count. Spencer hits a Spanish fly for the two count. Then Robbie gets a turbo backpack for the three count pinfall victory in 15 minutes. Um, before I go to the post-match here, what did you think of the opening match? Opening a card with Robbie Eagles is probably the best thing you can do as a promotion. I'm not saying Robbie Eagles isn't a main eventer, particularly in Australia, because he is. But he is the sort of guy that you would just love to book in the opening match to just get everyone just super hyped up. And, yeah, this was perfect for that reason. Yeah, absolutely. I'd have to agree. A big fight, Phil, coming off um, Robbie returning from Best of the Super Juniors. So in the post-match, he talks to the crowd saying that he'll be the new IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion because, Osprey, you don't bring a sword to a gunfight, bitch. (laughs) That's not you doing a John Pollock reciting a promo and adding bitch at the end of it just for your own entertainment. No, that's what Robbie actually said. Robbie's promos have never really done it for me, but this is probably about as good as you can get from Robbie, and it wasn't bad. Yeah, so this would have been... This was in that weird period where Bessa's Super Juniors finished, we had Southern Showdown, and then they went to the US for the start of the G1. Yeah. This would have been probably a week before Southern Showdown. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. And then Robbie mentions guns buy some Bullet Club merch and you'll get 20% off tickets for Sydney. Yeah, just openly admitting to papering, basically. Yeah, sad. You gotta do what you gotta do to get that sweet, sweet merch money. Match number two, probably a match you were looking forward to on paper, Rat Daddy versus Jack J. Bonza. Alright, I love Rat Daddy. Let's just get that out of the way. (laughs) So, early on, it's all Bonza before Rat bites Bonza's hand. At one stage, Rat Daddy goes all grand metallic, showing his skillfulness on the rope. <laughs> There's a number of exchanging pinfalls. One count, one count, one count. And then the finish occurs when Bonzo traps Daddy in a bridging pin after eight minutes. Yeah, this was like really fun, like lots of good like technical wrestling here. Jack J. Bonzo is a like Arn Anderson almost is my best, like, comparison of anyone. Rat Daddy, you can't compare him to anyone. He's, like, post Malone became a wrestler. Yeah. But is a bogan. Rat Daddy is an enigma and, oh, just love seeing him. He has star power. Like, not the usual sort of star power, but he definitely passed what Bruce Pritchard calls the airport test. You see him walk past the airport, you're definitely going to be looking at him. Pretty good match here, and the fans sort of applaud as Rat Daddy walks out. Yeah. Oh, man, I love Rat Daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love goofy characters and all that sort of thing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So match number three is a six-way match. Concrete Davison versus Unsocial Jordan, who has SMS Richard South and Tyler Payne in his corner, versus Sam Osborne versus Big Fudge versus Donnie Mako versus Matty Wahlberg. This was one of the matches where I like was like, oh, I don't remember actually watching this match. But because, you know, I pretty much remember almost every Matty Wahlberg match I've seen. And, like, the other week when we were talking about the most recent PWA show, I was like, oh, I don't think I've ever seen Donnie Mako before. Well, apparently I have. At this point, it's um, noted he's fresh off green label, which is now branded um, as the Academy shows. Dude, this dude, he just moves so well in the ring. Like, he's just so agile in that ring. Like, the way he gets from point A to point B, it's just very smooth. Like, a lot smoother than someone of his experience level should be. It's Matty's return. Commentary said, Survivor Australian season. No one saw that coming. (laughs) Watching this only a couple of weeks after SummerSlam. Yeah, Matty Wahlberg's part of the Survivor Australia season. Yeah, that was a horror show. Oh, well. So fans chant Wahlberg similar to how they would chant for... Goldberg on Nitro. Um, yeah, I love that chant. It's like <laughs> obviously you have to do it. Like 
it just lends itself to him so well. Oh, absolutely. Even though his music choice doesn't. <laughs> no. As Spotify has reminded me recently, Matty Warburg's theme, my number one most listened to song of 2020. I thought you were going to get Jessica Troy's theme up there. <laughs> I'm working on it. Okay. SMS attacked Concrete Davison before the bell, and as he can't compete, Jordan is also ejected from this match, making it a fatal four-way. Dumb. Sort of like Russo booking I would do on my, my fantasy show. Matty and Fudge showdown, with Matty knocking him down before Osborne returns. Fudge capitalises with a butt punch on Mako and goes after Matty, but Matty locks in the triangle choke on Fudge for the submission win in 10 minutes. I'm such a big fan of Big Fudge. Um, the butt punch is just such a stupid but, like, fun thing. Mako was fantastic here. Fudge looks great. Sam Osborne's, like... If Matty Warburg's like the next big thing in PWA, Sam Osborne's like the next, next big thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, sort of positioned highly on their cards nowadays. Yeah, especially with what we recently saw with pretty much Sam Osborne and Matty Warburg teaming up in a PWA main event. But Matty Warburg commentary did a really good thing during this match. Like a really logical thing. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this. Like No, go ahead. They're talking about like how out of shape Matty Warburg is. He looks a bit smaller. He seems to be getting gassed a bit quicker than normal. Yeah, well, he's been on an island for however many days he was on the Survivor Island eating nothing but coconut and um, rice. And, like, the announcer's sort of explaining, like, the effects Matty Wahlberg being on Survivor had on his wrestling in the ring actually really added to the match for me, especially with me being a Survivor and a wrestling fan. Yeah, absolutely. Also... Myself, that's a, a good point to bring up on commentary. I'm a big Survivor fan as well. When you usually watch like the last couple of days, they have um the contestants weigh themselves and look in the mirror and then they bring up like a side-by-side image of them before on day one and them on the last day so you see how much weight they lose out there. Like on American Survivor, you're out there for what, what is it, 39 days? Yep. Australian Survivor, you're out there for 50. What? 50 days, man. Wow. No thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like Matty Wahlberg, like he didn't make Merge, but he was the last like voted out before Merge. So that means he was out in the island for at least like 25. Half the least, game. Yeah, at least half the, the game. And yeah, he did look noticeably smaller. But I think, like, I don't know, I, I think he was deliberately sort of playing into it as well, which was great by him. Deliberately, like, letting himself look like he was gassed. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. That played well into the match. There we go through to match number four. It is Adam Hoffman versus Matt Rogers. So Hoffman is running away straight off the belt, but back in the ring, Rogers gets on the attack. This match is just Hoffman trying to survive Rogers. As the match goes longer, Rogers becomes worn out and Hoffman goes on the attack. And after 10 minutes, it ends in disqualification with Adam Hoffman getting the win as Mikey Broderick from TMDK ran in and attacked Hoffman. Moretti and Bonza run down to the ring for the save. Broderick says he's cleared and next month at Call to Arms, it'll be TMDK, Broderick, Marcus Pitt and Damian Slater versus the Four Nations team of Adam Hoffman, Jack J. Bonza, and Mick Moretti. And before the end of the segment, the Four Nations do their trio finisher on Matt Rogers, who was still in the ring the entire time. Yeah, that trio's finisher looked amazing. So sort of before the post-match stuff, do you have anything to add on the match? I'm, I still have no idea if Matt Rogers is good or not. Like, do you have, like, a strong opinion one way or the other on him? Yeah, I enjoy his stuff. Yeah, like, there's times where, like, he looks really good. But then there's other times where he just looks like 
stiff as a board in there and like not in a hard hitting way like he just like he can't move in there sometimes and then other times he's looking agile like I don't know what his deal is but like he's the sort of guy I should be in love with but he hasn't quite won me over yet yeah I I've sort of been a fan of him since I've been watching PWA now what did you think of this um match going 10 minutes ending in DQ and then the whole post-match thing here? Uh, yeah, I think that, like, theoretically, they're trying to protect Matt Rogers here whilst moving forward their storyline. But um, maybe it could have gone five. Yeah, I'd have to agree, too. I'm not a fan of matches that go longer than five that just end in a DQ or no contest when you're focusing on a different direction coming out of that match and it ends up putting the second opponent in the match just completely in the dark on the back burner. I think, like, having it be 10 minutes and having the DQ would have been okay if, like, they just let Matt Rogers leave. Yeah, that's another thing too. He just sort of, he wasn't even attacked. No, no, he just laid in the ring that whole time. Because... Roderick runs down and attacks Hoffman because Hoffman's in the nations, not Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. Rogers is just like laying there or like just chilling out the whole time. Broderick's cutting a promo. Like it kind of makes him look like an idiot for not leaving. So from there, we went on to a number one contenders PWA tag team match. So it is the Velocities, Jude London and Paris De Silva versus the SMS team of Richard Self and Tyler Payne with Unsocial Jordan in their corner. Wow. Completely forgot about SMS Richard South, Bald head and all. So I remember this was the match that I saw live. Like, this is where I start from. And I do not remember Ricky South being in this match. With good reason, because it wasn't Ricky South. That was Richard South. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, wow. In hindsight. Yeah, so my whole goal is over the next, like, month or so is to sort of just go back through the PWA OVO catalogue and just, like, watch this whole SMS storyline because it really intrigues me, this whole thing. I'm not sure how much of it's on OVO play because there's only two events prior to this that were done for OvoPlay, and I'm not sure how much of their back catalogue before that is up on OvoPlay. Yeah, I think there's, like, before this, there's, like, a year's worth of shows before this one on the OvoPlay, so... Oh, so it's most of the Pivot Share catalogue got moved onto OvoPlay. Yeah, I think so, yeah. It doesn't go too deep, but it's, like, yeah, a good couple of years' worth on OvoPlay. Geez, some of those back catalogue women's matches would just be amazing. Yeah, like how long's PWA been around? Like the Sydney versions. Yeah, Call to Arms I think was fifteen this year, so about fifteen years. And PWWA was two thousand seven, I think. You could probably go back and see like a young Billy Kay and a young Peyton Royce and all that sort of stuff. So I was more that... thinking Madison Eagles and Kelly Slater. Yeah, well, that stuff would be insane too. Um, I wasn't watching Australian wrestling at that time, but I even heard about that stuff. So um, that tells you something. So back to the <laughs> tag. Oh, yeah. I did it again. <laughs> so it's the Velocities versus SMS. Winners become number one contenders to the Four Nations, Bonza and... Moretti. Lucha rules are in effect and with every tag match on PWA, they always remind us that Lucha rules are in effect at PWA, which is a really nice thing to do for you always got to address for a new viewer who's watching this for the first time. They're going to question the tag team rules, so let's state this at the start of the match. Yeah, definitely. Because I remember watching this match as well and going, how come that's Allowed. Why aren't they just tagging? And he's on the the legal man's on the floor. What's going on? Oh, and then looking into it and go, oh, okay, there. Yeah, I, I was a bit thrown off at first as well because 
when I first saw this match, I reckon I saw it about five minutes into the match, so I didn't get that um, explanation. Early, Paris flies over the top rope into the crowd, taking down Tyler Payne, and the Velocities in the crowd are trying to bring Ricky South back from SMS, which commentary was talking up a lot on this match as well, saying that he's not Ricky South anymore, he's the new Richard South. On the outside, Richard and Jordan are attacking Jude behind the referee's back. Before Tyler has isolated Jude inside the ring, uh, then both teams make tags with Richard getting the upper hand. Richard hits a bridging suplex on Jude for a two count as Paris flies off the top rope to break it up. Then Tyler does a double backflip off the top, then off the mat for a two count. Later stages of the match, the velocities begin to get the upper hand. Tyler catches Jude off the top rope, lifts into a fireman's carry position, but Jude reverses into a Canadian destroyer. Paris is tossed up by Richard and attempts to repeat the Coliseum DDT, but Richard catches him and SMS hit their double team finisher. The pinfall is broken up at two by Jude. SMS have Paris as Richard is getting the tripod from Jordan but Richard hits Tyler by mistake and the Velocities hit the ring. Top rope, float over DVT, followed by a code breaker, followed by a top rope 450 corkscrew and Paris pins Richard in 12 minutes. A uh, quick round of applause for Hoggy for um, getting through all of that. Good on you, mate. You did well. Yeah, there was plenty to talk about from this match. I'll simplify it into one word. Fun. A really fun match. So I don't know if I've openly talked about it, but call me Jim Cornette, but like I'm not usually the guy that sort of just like falls in love with the smaller flippy dudes that don't really have much character besides they flip. Now you've said a number of times that you enjoy hoss fights. Yeah, so, like, if you read between the lines with that, you could probably try to figure out that, like, just generic flippy dude doesn't necessarily do it for me. And, like, I, I have no idea what, like, Jude London or Paris De Silva are like on the mic. Like, I've heard a couple of promos. It wasn't that memorable for me. But these guys, like, unlike other generic flippy dudes I've seen in wrestling, these guys have, like, a charisma that, it like, transcends, like, having a charismatic promo or something like that. There's just, like, a certain charisma in the way they sell, the, the way they do their moves, all that sort of stuff. Like, an in-ring charisma that is, like, that really sets them apart from other flippy floppy dudes that I don't really care for. And, like, I am a big fan of the Velocities for that. I totally have to agree. This was the first match I tuned into, and this completely won me over from PWA. Sorry to interrupt, but, like, Tyler Payne, um, is he still around in PWA? I don't think I've seen him in anything, in any other shows since this one that I've watched anyway. Um... Not off the top of my head, I believe he's still wrestling in Sydney. Oh, well, before everything happened, he was still wrestling in Sydney. But yeah, just not for PWA, if I'm remembering correctly. Like, this dude was good. Like, it wasn't all just, like, the Velocities and Ricky South being just absolute freaks in the ring. Like, Tyler Payne brought it as well. Yeah, I'd have to agree there as well. Highly recommend this match if you can go check it out. It's definitely one of the um, standout matches on this card. Yeah, and the weird thing is I didn't remember this match, and I think that might speak to, like, the emotional storytelling for the main event that we'll get to later. The main event sort of overshadowed this match, at least in my memory. But, man, was this, like, pretty much match of the night. Yeah, it's certainly a contender. So from there, they had the intermission classic match. Did you happen to watch this at all? Watched bits of it. I wasn't too sure if we were going to review this, so I watched a little bit of it. I was just too keen to sort of get into the rest of the show, so I'll skip forward a bit. Fair enough. Michael Spencer versus Ricky South, the second match in their best of three series, 
uh, hair versus leg hair match where Spencer gets a pinfall victory in under five minutes and Ricky South gets his leg hair shaved. What a gimmick. Hair versus leg hair. I love it. So from there, there was a brief look at the beer pong challenge with Matty Wahlberg. Did you happen to take note of anything happening there? Uh, nothing in particular that I noticed. I sort of skipped that a little bit myself. I love them, like, showing a bit of it. So, like, people watching at home are like, oh, so that's what's going on at intermission. Hey, that looks like a bit of fun. Get him jump in the ring, have a few beers with one of the biggest stars in the company and play some beer pong. I might go to that show. Yeah, absolutely. You'd want to be there live and go in the draw for that. Um, Legitimately, like it was on my bucket list of things to do this year before the world ended. <laughs> oh, wait, you're not allowed to go anywhere at the moment. I'm sorry. Exactly. Oh, man. Yeah, rub it in. Like, yeah, here I am in lockdown. This is this is a slightly off topic, but just so you listeners can know how much of a heel hog he is. And I don't think he even realised this. Here I am in lockdown. And Hoggy's up in Queensland. I'm down here in, like, gross Victoria, cold, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And Hoggy just, like, sends me a photo of, oh, yeah, just walking home from the pub, beautiful Queensland sunset, all that sort of stuff. I'm stuck at home. I can't go anywhere, Hoggy. There isn't a pub to go to, let alone go home from. And you're sending me photos of this, rubbing it in. Here's a heel. <laughs> Yeah, had to have some fun. <laughs> exactly. Nah, I was very jealous. But yeah, yeah. he's a goddamn heel. Goddamn. Ah, well. <laughs> so we go from there on to something that you would have been looking forward to. Match number six, Mick Moretti versus Tommy Knight. I would like randomly messaged you about this match when I was watching it, just about like, God damn, I loved this match. Oops. Yeah, and I've gone thinking, oh, what card was that from? Oh, yeah, you, you went all weird on it. Because <laughs> I'm sleep-deprived with work and going, wait, yeah. what's that from? And you're going, uh, the show we're talking about? I'm like, oh, I thought it was from an RCW show you were watching. Yeah, I just pretty much said, dude, I forgot how good Tommy Knight versus Mick, Mor- Mick Moretti was. So bleeping good. Tommy Knight's just amazing. I I love his presentation. I love his look. He's kind of like an Aussie Tomohiro Ishii. The protege to Jonah Rock. And like he's got like that like girder like belt thing that sort of reminds me of Ishii. Yeah, so I'll just refer to him as the Aussie Stone Pitbull. But <laughs> yeah, Tommy Knight's fantastic. Like He's pretty. He's pretty young. Like he hasn't been in the business for too long. I, I don't think. Yeah, he's gonna be like one of the pillars of the Australian wrestling scene at some point in my mind. Anyway, I I th- I think like the sky's the limit for him. Mick Moretti, like we know, he's good. We could go on for hours about all the little things he does in the ring that makes a match like. So much fun to watch. Moretti comes out to his turn down for what theme, which I really like, enjoyed. Yeah, it's so good, but it's like a 2013 meme. <laughs> and, and he's like, and he's like still coming out to it. Like, it kind of like makes him even crazier. So it kind of works. Like, he's so crazy, he doesn't realise that this meme's like five years old. Tommy offers his hand as a sign of respect at the start of the match, but Mick grabs his hand and then licks his arm. Yeah. (laughs) Another case of why are we watching something like this in the current era? Yeah. Dude, like, I'm at the point now, like, if I watch an old TV show or something and there's, like, heaps of people in one room on a... TV show from the 90s, I get like slightly anxious because I'm like, uh, social distancing. (laughs) (laughs) So Moretti is constantly trying to lift Knight, but can't quite. Tommy is trying to be gentlemanly throughout the match, but Mick is just making him mad. 
As Tommy gets angry, he begins using his size to his advantage, but every time Mick is knocked down, he gets back up. Tommy calls for a brain buster and surprisingly lands it. As the men brawl on the outside, the fans are miscounting with the ref. So the ref's going, one, and the fans are going, two. This I do not miss at all. <laughs> oh, man. There's so many, like, crappy chants that I, I forgot all about until, like, watching some older shows recently where I'm like, oh, yeah, thank God that stuff's gone. Yeah, well, you'd be happy to hear this contest was scheduled for one fall. One fall. <laughs> yeah, that's one of them. Oh, like, what is the point? What, what's so good about that? What's so charming about that? I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get why the Americans do it so much. I can see why the Brits and us do it. Probably because we're free sheets to the wind drunk. Yeah, we just like to chant. We just like to yell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, give us a cue, we'll yell at you. So, back in the ring, Mick Moretti hits a suplex seemingly out of nowhere for the pinfall victory in 15 minutes. And after the bell, there's a sign of respect with Moretti shaking Tommy Knight's hand. Like I said, I genuinely loved this match. Like I said, the finish sort of comes literally out of nowhere. Like, you don't see that being the finish, but I like that being the finish because, like, not everything has to be your crazy finisher or whatever to finish a match. So I kind of like that. Come on, like, at some point someone can just hit, like, a body slam and win a match realistically. Like, I'd like to see more of that in wrestling. Drives all the wind out of them and they can't kick out. Yeah. Or, like, oh, I beat the crap out of someone and... Now all I have to do is just chuck a little sleeper hold on and it's done. Well, that's what Suzuki tries to do. He always goes for the sleeper, then the gotch, so they're worn down. Yeah, exactly. Well... He's not going for the gotch straight away. I'm I'm not necessarily trying to say that um, I'm Minoru Suzuki levels of genius in wrestling, but uh, I think you might have proven my point. (laughs) (laughs) So we go on to the co-main event. It is Jimmy Townsend of the Prefects with Billy Preston in his corner versus Kai Drake. This is pre-MK plus Ultra Dragonheart Kai Drake. Wow. Yeah. Like, they pretty much just had to, for him to come across as full, like, generic young wrestler, they just needed to talk about him being a blue chipper a few more times and the whole thing would be complete, right? <laughs> yeah. So the prefects come out, and as Black Label is an 18-plus show, they show their Hawaiian IDs so they can go and wrestle. Good old super bad reference. I loved it. Bit of McLovin. Kai looks into the free shot and gets punched in the shoulder, but returns with a super kick. Kai begins to then serve up chops, release suplex. Billy begins to get involved, holding Kai's leg on the apron. And Jimmy gets a schoolboy for the pinfall victory in under five minutes because nobody kicks out of the schoolboy. Goddamn right they don't. And then it's mentioned the prefects are now 2-0 at Black Label. Yeah, this is like the beginning of the rise of the prefects. And so much so that like by the end of the year, they would have their own show named after them and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah, their 18th birthday party. Yeah. It was... The week, maybe two weeks before the Liger Down Under show. Yeah, exactly. Like, these guys are fantastic. It's such a fun gimmick. Uh, Kai Drake is pretty good now. I wouldn't say he's really good, but, like, he's getting there. He's definitely getting there. But right here, like, it's a pretty generic creator wrestler here from Kai Drake. Ooh, I disagree. Okay. I think Kai has a lot of character in him as Dragonheart, and then when he's teaming with Michael Spencer, he's taking on a lot of Spencer's aspects, wearing a lot of Dragon Ball Z-inspired gear. I can see that, but I also think like him being with Spencer, like he's a bit more of a cowardly heel or like sneaky heel, like a bit more dastardly as a heel. And I kind of like that aspect of his current character. But 
I think we can both just agree to disagree on this one. Um, yeah, the good thing is Kai Drake's gotten our attention either way. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose we wouldn't be arguing about it if he didn't stand out. Yeah, exactly. So let's just talk about Jimmy Townsend's fantastic. Yeah, the prefects. I, I love the gimmick so much. Like, it is probably the best gimmick in Australian independent wrestling. Just because it's so much fun. And, like, they are incapable of having an, a match that isn't enjoyable, right? Like, you're not going to get, like, a five-star, like, Matt Classic or anything like that. But you're going to have fun whenever they come out. Yeah, I'd have to have to agree there. And also their third prefect partner in Cherry Stevens as well, who wrestles a lot on Green Label. Exactly, and, like, it's only a matter of time before she's, like, off green label and up on the black label full-time sort of thing and, like, becomes a permanent fixture in the prefix thing or wherever they're going with their current storyline anyway. Yeah, I suppose we'll, we'll have to wait and see there. So speaking of seeing where things are going, we go to the main event video package. Now, what were your thoughts on this video package? I, I loved it. What did you think? I thought it was probably one of the better ones I've seen done by an independent wrestling promotion, not just in Australia, in the world, so outside of your major promotions. It was genuine, like, big fight feel sort of video package. Like, this wasn't about two of the top women's wrestlers in Australia having a match. This was about two of the top wrestlers in Australia having a match. Didn't matter what the gender was. And, like, this sort of video package, like, really gave it that big fight feel. And, like, it was impossible to not just already be, like, completely drawn into this story before the entrances even happened after seeing this video package. So it is for the PWWA Championship. Shasa McKenzie, the champion, versus Jessica Troy. Jessica gets a bunch of special balloons for her video entrance. What did you think of Jess's entrance here? Um, like, on paper, it's a good idea. I didn't think it looked that good. In execution? Yeah. Like, it was just a bunch of purple balloons on the floor. I don't know if they missed a camera cut where they were supposed to fall from the ceiling before she walked out, but... They shouldn't have... Even if that was the case, they shouldn't have let him fall until she came out. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm not sure if they went off early or if they missed that camera or what happened there. Yeah, yeah, because it just looked like, oh, yeah, someone just dumped a pile of balloons on the floor. Cool. But her entrance is always made up for by her awesome theme music and just her energy when she comes out. Absolutely. And then Chess McKenzie's special entrance being carried out on a chariot by four men wearing a crown and a cape. Shazza McKenzie's entrance. So I think in one of our early episodes I referred to her as the Charlotte Flair of the Australian women's wrestling scene right like because she is the queen of Australian women's wrestling and this entrance man just proved it she's coming out like like 1989 1990 like macho king here coming out on that thing and carried by all the all those blokes there, like, coming out on the chariot or the sedan or whatever you want to call it. Big fight feel, man. Yeah, so Shazza's on day number 741 as PWWA champion. Her goal here is to defeat Jessica and then challenge Ugg and become a dual champion in PWA, while Jessica believes that the PWWA championship should be defended more regularly for the women. So to start off the match, there's lock-up with Jessica going after the arm early. Shazza with a roll through gets a first pinfall attempt and a one count. <laughs> Jessica rolls out onto the apron and a lady in the crowd helps tie up Jessica's boots as Shazza is complaining to the referee. Yeah, I loved that. Back inside, into another lockup, multiple exchanging pinfall attempts. At this point, the fans seem to be split 
cheering for both women. Jessica goes back outside and Shazza chases her, attempts a wheelbarrow, but Jess gets the armbar and the ref breaks it up as she can't win on the outside. There's a lot of discretion in this championship match from referee Big Nick as Shazza has Jess in a chair delivering kicks on the outside. Jess attacks Shazza, puts her in the chair, and then running around ringside, hits a meteora to a seated Shazza. Back in the ring, Jessica is trapping Shazza's hand in the steel turnbuckle, but Shazza gets free and is trying to stretch Jessica's arm to wear down her submission capability, but Jessica counters into a Fujiwara armbar with Shazza almost immediately getting to the rope. Shazza gets a two count in the center of the ring as some of the crowd cheers her on. Later, Jessica is fired up, but her left arm seems to be troubling her. She gets a springboard meteora off the bottom rope for a two count, straight into an arm submission, and then another pinfall attempt. Shazza counters and traps Jessica in the ring ropes, delivering a number of kicks before Jessica catches her at 10. Both women are trying big impact moves on the apron, but are blocking one another. And Jessica pushes Shaz into the ring post and a meteor to the back of Shazza and a big kick to Shazza's head to send her off the apron. Back outside, then Jess is on the apron, tries for a big kick to Shazza who's on the floor, but is caught and power-bombed onto the floor by Shazza. The majority of the crowd now seems to be booing Shazza as she's posing in the ring. Shazza drags Jessica up onto the stage and both women land big boots and are down. Referee Big Nick is counting and both women are in the ring at nine and a half. Seeming exhausted on their knees, there's back and forth big open palm strikes and a suplex from Shazza. Then a big boot from Jess, but Shazza dodges and rolls through, counters into a bridging suplex for a two count. Shazza goes up to the top rope and Jessica follows with a top rope arm stomp onto Shazza and a Fujiwara arm bar by Jessica in the center of the ring. Shazza manages to move Jessica into a pin while in the arm bar for a two count and Jessica releases. A roll up one count for Shaz, then a split stunner in the center of the ring. One, two, Kick out. Shaz is arguing with referee Big Nick as Jessica goes up the top with Shazza following. Jessica slips through and trips Shazza down before locking in the Fujiwara armbar between the ropes and the referee forces the break as she can't win there. Inside, big suplex by Jessica for a two count. Shazza moves Jessica back into the corner. There's a Brett rope split stunner into a submission attempt, a face and arm lock combination in the center of the ring. Jessica slowly claws to the rope and Shazza breaks a hold, but Jess gets a Fujiwara armbar locked on again in the center of the ring. Shaz is slowly crawling backwards towards the rope with her feet, but Jessica starts wrenching on the arm and Shazza taps out, making your new PWWA champion, Jessica Troy, by submission in 22 minutes. Referee Big Nick has the belt to present to Jessica, but Shazza grabs it and places it over Jessica's shoulder as she leaves. And the Four Nation members, Bonza, Hoffman, Moretti, all lift Jessica up on their shoulders in celebration as we go off the air. Another bravo to you for that recap. <laughs> Thank um, you. This is like just the perfect main event, right? Like especially for an independent wrestling show, but I would say any wrestling show. You got your build here with the young upstart, like up-and-coming youngster and Jessica Troy. Like, the crowd's just so behind the gimmick. They're 100% behind her, pretty much. Then you got the dominant champion, Shazza. You know, I'm not too familiar with the shows before this, but I sort of got the impression that Shazza wasn't necessarily always a heel leading up to this like she just sort of lent into a heel side for this match like I don't know if you got that impression as well just because like the crowd's so hot for Jessica here yeah I'd I'd have to agree with that assumption there they seem more into into Jess and they do Shazza and Shazza's playing it up a little there I don't know like most of the Shazza stuff I've seen is pretty much her stuff, like, after this match and, like, all over, like, some of her stuff in America and all that. And, like, more often than not, like, she's the face. Don't you mean all out? Casino yeah, Fine, so, Battle Royal? 
oh man, I forgot all about her doing that. Yeah, and she did a did she do a dark or a dynamite once as well? I think. Yeah, she did a dark while she was over there as well in a tag match. Yeah, uh, off topic, but yeah, like most of the stuff I've seen her in, she's been the baby face. So like that makes me think that she sort of just like made the decision to just be a little bit more heelish for this match. But then again, I sort of question that as well, just because of the entrance, which makes me believe that she was always a heel. So I'm not too sure of the storyline heading into this, like if Shazza was a hundred percent heel before this, just because I haven't seen it. The only major things I was watching before this was a lot of MCW where Shazza was sort of a bit of a heel there going up against, uh, Indy for the um, MCW New Horizons show before Super Showdown. See, I didn't even think Shazza was the heel in that. So, oh, oh man, am I just like, I don't know, am I that much of a smart mark that I think all heels are the baby faces? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, completely missing the point here. Just gone off on a weird going nowhere tangent shazza was just amazing here she came across looking like a huge star right and then like and she's like the veteran like putting over the younger talent and jessica troy like admittedly before watching this show live i had never even heard of jessica troy and now i'm what a guy on a podcast that, like, whenever we get the chance to talk about Australian wrestling, I talk about Jessica Troy being the best wrestler in Australia. All that within, like, just over a year. Like, she's completely changed my mind. Like, this was the first time I'd ever even heard of her. She wins this match. She puts on a blinder, and, like, within six months, she is what I consider to be the best wrestler in Australia. And this was just, like, such a perfect main event. Like, so much emotional investment in this, and the crowd's hot. Like, so hot. Oh, just the near falls. Like, Shazza was fantastic in this. Jessica Troy's fantastic. Feel free to cut me off. I think I'm going in circles now. But, like, <laughs> I just I just love this match so much. Yeah, I'd, I'd completely have to agree. This is one of the matches as well that made me stay signed up to PWA on AVO. Yeah, exactly. Like, I I stayed signed up. I think I've been signed up since. Like, there might have been a few months there where I didn't catch any shows before we started this podcast. But, but yeah, I think I've been signed up the whole time since this show, and it's pretty much just based on the ending of this show that made me so keen on this product. So I suppose we should let uh, new listeners know of um, what we thought of this match overall on a yearly sort of awards schedule. Yeah, I, I don't even remember. Well, this is really me putting over my own... Um, my own product here, but you know what I'm like, Huggy. Like, we do a show, and once it's done, like, I just get, like, instant amnesia about a podcast we do. <laughs> like, I don't remember anything. It, it's <laughs> Fugs the only one that you remember. And, like, sometimes I ever message you, and I was like, hey, did you have this person on your card? I can't remember. Like, I, I'm pretty much Story from Finding Nemo when it comes to out what we put out on the podcast, like I immediately forget. So I have no idea. Like, did I did I give this a pretty decent award or what? I'm pretty sure both you and I unanimously agreed this was our Australian match of the year. Yeah, good. And you know what? what? It's not even Jessica Troy's best match. Ooh. That's the craziest thing. Do you have some time? Because PWA is on this little app called Grapple where users can rank matches. Oh, wow. Okay. Cool. I've been on Grapple before. I've been on it in ages, but yeah. <laughs> so I actually went up and looked up these match rankings. All these are out of five stars. Spencer versus Eagles from 15 votes got a 3.43. Rat Daddy versus Jack J. Bonzer from 13 votes got 
3.13. Sam Osborne versus Big Fudge versus Donnie Mako versus Matty Wahlberg from 15 votes got 3.17. Adam Hoffman versus Matt Rogers from 13 votes got a 2.04. The Velocities versus SMS from 14 votes got a 4.02. Tommy Knight versus Mick Moretti from 13 votes got a 3.71. Jimmy Townsend versus Kai Drake from 12 votes got a 2.56. And the main event, Jessica Troy versus Shasa McKenzie from 18 votes got a 3.90. I think the the Velocity's tag match score is pretty right there, but I I feel like Jessica Troy and Tommy Knight's m- matches, um, those matches, yeah, Tommy Knight versus Mick Murray, Jessica Troy and Shazza, I feel like those two matches were better than the tag match for my liking. Yeah, well, they're, they're your top three matches there, so you had... Uh, the highest ranked match from Grapple is Velocities versus SMS, 4.02. Second is Jessica Troy versus Shazza McKenzie, 3.90. And then third was Tommy Knight versus Mick Moretti, 3.71. So they're all sort of close. Again, it being um, a smaller event on Grapple, it doesn't have the um, mass that a big event would. It's only got around 20 votes or less for each match. You want to know how good this card is? Robbie Eagles isn't even in the top three matches of this show. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> Robbie Eagles' opening match didn't make the top three, and it was admittedly a really good Robbie Eagles opening match. Like, yeah, uh, and like that that four-way, which was really fun, you know, like... The only match on this card that, like, wasn't really noteworthy was Adam Hoffman versus Matt Rogers, but that wasn't designed, like, that match wasn't designed to be a classic match. It was designed to sort of just, you know, continue the story there with TMDK and the Four Nations. And, you know, Jimmy Townsend versus Kai Drake was just a quick little fun comedy match and I think it served its purpose really well like yeah I think everything on this card was pretty good like a really good card top to bottom especially when you look at it like I'm looking at the full card in front of me right now and it's just yeah oh yeah that match was good that match was good that match was good yeah there's pretty much one match on this card that I wouldn't go out of my way to watch again. Yeah, well, from eight matches, if you're saying seven are good and four are great being, like, the top four matches, you'd go and check it out. I would happily watch seven of these eight matches again. Okay, we're going to watch it in Spanish-language commentary next. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I would be very interested to hear hearing Rat Daddy getting called in Spanish. No, I don't think any of the Aussie Indies do a second language. No, no, no. um, Yeah, this card was insane. And, you know, I I said before, wasn't even Jessica Troy's best match. But, like, that's not a slide on this match. That's just an illustration of, like, how amazing Jessica Troy has been since this awesome match. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree there wholeheartedly. And, and I, of course, I'm speaking about the SDL cage match, which was amazing. Like, oh. depends on the mood I'm in. I could pick either one is like better than the other, depending on the day, to be honest. I was going to say. Like, might as well put it out there. Full disclosure, at the moment, my two front runners for match of the year is <laughs> Troy SDL Cage or Troy Evans. Yeah, Colder Arms. Yeah, yeah Troy, oh, Troy and Charlie Evans. Yeah, full disclosure, I'm pretty sure Jessica Troy is going to be my wrestler of the year. Like, the amount of, like, times we've both given her, like, wrestler of the month or, like, best match of the month and... Stuff like that, like, 
yeah, it's kind of been a condensed year in terms of Australian wrestling. Like, like we've only properly gotten like three full months of Australian wrestling and sporadic shows here and there. But like, yeah, if Australian wrestling continues at the pace it is, like, it's a lock for Jessica Troy now. Yeah, it's also interesting to see if um any of the other women from like Victoria can get out and isolate and then go to somewhere else like we've seen uh brooksy's gone over to south australia and he isolated so he's in right city at the moment it'd be interesting to see if any of the other big men or women uh wrestlers can get out of victoria and go somewhere else and wrestle for the rest of the year if anyone is listening that has anything to do with pwa like move mountains to get avery to move to sydney please (laughs) Kellyanne versus Jessica Troy. Couldn't handle it. Oh, I wouldn't be worthy. You know, like, yeah, Kellyanne's like my longtime favorite female wrestler in Australia, like, just because of the statriotic bias I have. Yeah, her versus Jessica Troy. I wouldn't know who to, who to be cheering for for that one. But give mm. me Avery, Jessica Troy. <laughs> like, I think it would just be really weird and amazing oh yeah because if you wear down avery's arm she can't hit daddy issues yeah i think i think so that does play well into a match (laughs) yeah exactly imagine like the promos like avery just being like the bin chicken she is like talking about jessica troy trying to steal her arm well yeah you can have my arm and you can stick it up your you know what like, it'd be amazing. Yeah. Anyway, Kellyanne, original fiend. Yeah, I was thinking about that today, uh, the other day, actually. Have you noticed Kellyanne has, like, a regular, like, YouTube thing for Ring of Honor? Where she interviews people? It's like a Kellyanne ask me anything, like, People send in questions to ask Kellyanne, and I'm pretty sure um, Alan Payne. Yeah. The crazy dude that used to be in Helter Skelter. Yes, great faction. Uh, um, <laughs> that is the yeah. hill I've chosen to die on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I, I think Preston and Payne was much better than Helter Skelter, but... Um, Alan Payne, like, I'm pretty sure is the one, like, asking the questions for Kellyanne, and it's got, like, a whole black and white sort of retro vibe to these questions, and she's just, like, oh, she's just, like, doing this whole non-conformist thing, and she's, like, you know, everyone wants to be a non-conformist, so I'm just going to say I'm a conformist, which makes me a non-conformist and stuff like that doing like all these awesome like videos for ring of honor that i think look amazing Uh, i think it's really awesome that ring of honor is like letting her like have their platform to sort of do these sort of projects to sort of keep her in everyone's mind at the moment is it similar to the the germany vignette she did like yeah it's a similar sort of tone I still <laughs> love that video. Yeah, it's like a very similar sort of tone. Yeah, so be a couple of interesting matchups there if the borders open and a few Victorian women can get up to challenge Jessica Troy and PWA. Uh, with that being said, is there much else to say tonight, Alex? Man, I just really enjoyed going back and watching this show, like... It's pretty much me going back and watching my first non-Victorian like indie wrestling show all over again. And I really crossed that border literally with a really good show. I was very blessed to pick a good one to watch as my first live like PWA, well, live streaming PWA. I think this is the bit where we uh, hand out some beers, right? Yeah, yeah, we well, must do that. <laughs> um, you can go first, my man. I was tempted to give it six, but I'll give it five because I don't want to just be handing out sixes all the time now. So I'll give it five beers for me. I completely agree. I'm going five beers for this. This was a great show. 
Well, if you're, no, I'm not going to outside. That's years. a different show where you try to outdo me. <laughs> exactly. So, speaking of other shows, what's uh, what's next? Ye old schedule. Back on Wednesday for another weekly wrestling wrap talking AEW's All Out, a third pay-per-view weekend. In a row. Insane. And then we'll be getting pay-per-view quality matches every night as the G1 starts up. Scheduling oh. permitted, we will have a brief preview show on Friday the 11th. Otherwise, we will put it out as soon as possible over the next weeks and be releasing our um, picks online for our Facebook page. Uh, next Monday, we'll be talking the July and August in Australia, New Zealand, independent wrestling. Yeah, uh, we're going to be scraping the barrel to find what to talk about, aren't we? <laughs> We've already talked two of the bigger shows. There's one EPW show and maybe a couple of other little shows that came back. Yeah, yeah, there's uh, definitely definitely a couple on my radar. So, um, Sadly, no Victorian wrestling. I don't think we'll be getting Victorian wrestling in 2020. What about 2021? Ah, oh, maybe by the time winter comes around. <laughs> like, winter slam. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll have winter slam, the winter stampede and winter brawl. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, we'll bid adieu and speak to all you lovely humans next time. Peace out.